Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Expertise Podcast. I'm your host, Rollin Martin, and I hope that today's conversation will expand your knowledge. Today, I welcome Carrie Martin to the show. Carrie works for a local university, where he splits his time between managing the general merchandise section at the campus store and as video coordinator for the school's football program. Because I'm currently a student, I found many parts of the conversation very helpful in learning different services that the that a university campus offers and different things that the the staff are can do and are, are willing to help a student with so found that very helpful but also at the same time i really enjoyed learning new things about what carrie does and uh, some of the the work and things that he's involved with i hope that you too will enjoy this conversation and learn from his expertise Welcome, Carrie, to the Everyday Expertise Podcast. It's really good to have you here. It's good to be here, Roland, and uh, an honor to be on your podcast. All right, excellent. So tell us a little bit. What is it that uh, keeps you busy, or what? Uh, what's your life looking like at the moment? Well, I have uh, joined the ranks of the working from home. Ah, yes. Um, so my, my life right now um, is from that perspective. Um, just little things like downsizing taking one vehicle off the road okay i have one vehicle that just sits in the driveway um like did you like decommission it and everything or is it no still, okay no, still it's it. still in fine condition um, it just doesn't drive anywhere gotcha, so yeah. it's not insured um and you know family schedules with one vehicle we've got five kids so, okay um yeah just juggling everybody as we you know online learning yeah early in the year and a little bit here and there throughout the school year i i expect um that's how it looks my wife uh works from home as well um okay with her uh piano teaching and so we've got lots going on from from the home yeah <laughs> very good so what uh what is your work or just give us a brief description of what uh what you're doing from home at the moment uh so i'm a campus store uh, manager okay so normally we would have uh, several retail locations on um, our university campuses. Mm -hmm. And uh, this year we have transitioned to pretty much an e-commerce store. Okay. Really not a lot going on in person. Uh, we do have some, you know, in-person pickups. Um, so the sort of operating environment that we're in is if you don't need to be there, right. do your work from home. Yeah. Um, so we definitely have some staff that are, are in quite regularly, but, um, you know, being in that sort of middle manager position, um, I'm in maybe 20% of the time on campus. Okay. Was, uh, was the store doing, did it have an online presence before um, COVID hit or is this like, and then you just expanded it or is it just new since, uh, since you've kind of been forced yeah. to stay at home? Yeah, so um, thankfully we did have um, e-commerce <laughs> solution okay. for quite a while already. Okay. Um, if I go back in history, I think we were actually one of the first uh, to be able to offer in that in that era. It would have been just textbooks probably online. Okay. Um, just it really helped you know speed up the lines, and it was like cutting edge. Yeah. Um, now in twenty twenty, it's a it's a must have. So. We've certainly dumped a lot of extra resources towards e-commerce. Okay, so it is improving. Grown. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's certainly not what we're used to, but it's. I think at the end of this all, we'll be in a better 
um, position with e-commerce. Okay. Yeah. Because you've been forced to expand it and grow it a little bit, that kind of exactly with this yeah and even like things like working with your colleagues um remotely right um, yeah it's not like i didn't have these tools last year um mm -hmm. but you sort of compensate right you you drive an hour for a meeting instead of and maybe push it off too long yeah. whereas now you'll just schedule it in for tomorrow and have a video meeting if you can't be in the same place yeah yeah exactly and it, it when this is all over um hopefully maybe not not too long yet um, it just gives you maybe a bigger tool bag of, of things to use because you've maybe gained some skills in video conferencing or yeah. just gotten used to it. And that's a, that's a possible option when, when it is the best option. Yeah, and I, I like to look at it that way too of, yeah. you know, here are the opportunities that this challenge presents us with. Yeah, yeah. Very good. So why I have here, what does a typical day look like for you? So what are kind of some of your main tasks or some of the things that you do well so right now to kind of simulate <laughs> going away to work mm -hmm. um ideally i in the morning i try to get outside and, and go for at least a walk around the oh, block nice. yeah and you know i'm not one of those fans of staying in your pjs all day to work <laughs> although i will admit to maybe doing a little more comfort comfortable clothes these days okay um but with you know the kids being in school and stuff, um, that's kind of the first rush, get them out the door and then right. settle into um, a lot of email, okay. a lot of Zoom meetings. Mm -hmm. uh, I use Zoom to kind of cover all the video platforms because yeah. <laughs> you use them all these days. Um, I, I do find things take more time okay. um, because you're having, um, you know, a video conversation where maybe you would just talk to a colleague in the hall right? Um, or at the water cooler, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of um, customer service and projects, I would say too. Okay. Um, definitely. I think we alluded to it about, you know, benefits of a pandemic. Well, one is that some of those projects that you didn't have time, dedicated time for, yeah. um, it, I don't want it to sound like I've got copious amounts of free time because it hasn't worked out that way. Right. <laughs> but there's been more project time too. So. Okay. Like a, a new development of some kind or? Yeah. In our case, uh, like one of the big things would be the um, software platform for inventorying and for accounts mm -hmm. payable, like very integral to what we do. Yeah. Um, and e-commerce ties into that as well. So yeah. that f foundational we would call it ERP, um, okay. enterprise resource planning. Mm -hmm. Um, that system is a really big project to take on if you're going to replace it or even upgrade right. it. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's probably the, the one biggest. And then there's all these small ones that are a result of the pandemic, like, you know, chatbots for your website and, oh yeah. <laughs> just different ways to service your customer remotely because mm -hmm. um, that's definitely where we found we were weak okay. um, in September going back to school um, is just the flow of, you know, customer requests and complaints or yeah. just service um, needs, um, how to respond with people working all over in different areas yeah. from home, yeah. some on campus, some on another campus it got to be a challenge when you weren't um, used to working that way. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's uh, interesting just to, those things that like, as a customer, as a consumer, I don't think about 
that that that's needed to maybe change as as it's it's gone on and i don't think about things on the other end of of how my request or my complaint gets gets dealt with if uh if i'm having an issue so um i can see how you're trying to to make that work better and and like you talked about the chatbot thing is i think that's what you called it like the better you have that then that if someone can just a customer can just be helped with that then it doesn't tie up a staff member to to take care of that issue and that kind of thing right well yeah like to use a simple example if if you've got one person on the phone all day just um you know in this scenario telling people where their pickup locations are yeah. during the pandemic curbside pickup is here here and here and it's these hours yeah you could you could have people trying to man the phones and trying to get through on phones or a chatbot can really answer that right away yeah um and simple things like that that that, that request that, yeah. ends right there yep and they don't need to tie someone up yeah yeah very good um we'll get possibly get back into some of these things as we talk about um kind of some of the the things that you have to think about with running a store and, uh, and that kind of thing. Um, or if you have more to say on that, that's fine. But also, do you have uh, other hobbies or interests that you want to share outside of your work? Yeah, when I think about hobbies, um, I guess for me, it goes probably in two categories. Um, one, I would say, is music. Um, participating in choirs and so on is mm -hmm. something I've always enjoyed. And... Um, you know, the family I grew up in, it was an important thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've enjoyed continuing um, that in various community choirs and so on. And um, sports would be the other thing. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I don't hardly participate in any anymore. I take my kids to do things. Okay. Um, but, you know, hockey would be the one that's nearest and dearest to me mm -hmm. um and i would say i'm a bit of a survivalist in uh probably golf and snowboarding so <laughs> survivalist in that you know i can show up and not look completely dumb right. but i'm definitely not you know a master yeah those two things <laughs> yeah very good um anything else with that that you uh you wanted to talk about well just to clarify i'm not a master in hockey either oh okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah very good yeah um and yeah i'm, I'm kind of still thinking about uh, uh yourself here i always like hearing how you kind of got into the the work that you're doing now and i always find it fascinating to to hear the story of how someone got into their job whether it's something that they specifically had been planning for a long time and took a lot of deliberate decisions to to um get to that point or if it's it's something that uh that kind of just happened or evolved mm -hmm. over time so I'm, I'm curious for for you how did you find yourself at where you are now was it uh something that you deliberately chose when you were 20 or is it something that's kind of happened over time yeah so actually that's a good segue with um you know, hobbies and stuff too, mm -hmm. because I, I will admit technology and, you know, audio visual stuff. That's, that's another hobby of mine, mm -hmm. um, that I didn't really mention. Um, but I would say early on in my childhood, I was just really intrigued with, you know, wow, a computer, like okay. it was kind of that era. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I remember one at my, um, grade school where, you know, everybody would crowd around and play like these two very um lame games in today's standards like this was the 90s <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah like the 90s 
and we're talking like you know a couple colors on the screen yep. <laughs> and like this volleyball-ish sort of game and a something that they call the flight simulator but the graphics like you'd hardly recognize it as the earth um, <laughs> uh -huh. that's my first like kind of memory of of technology and then somewhere along the line we uh you know inherited somebody's hand-me-down and you know i was intrigued with taking it apart okay like this is at your home yeah yeah and you know if my dad's eight track player wouldn't work and like he had kind of like been okay with it going to the track right. i would yeah. take it apart and try to make it okay. work yeah so i i remember having like stereo components apart and that just always intrigued me mm -hmm. and as long as i had taken it apart i generally could get it back together again. okay would you need to like look up how to do it or was it something you would just figure out uh, and, like figure out how to do it no i was like grab a screwdriver and experiment okay yeah <laughs> yeah fascinating yeah it's i've um that wasn't me growing up but i i'm fascinated by reading stories of of people that um that have been successful in technology and that kind of thing whether it's building like having their own computer company or that kind of thing it often seems that they tinkered a lot mm -hmm. as a as a child and um enjoyed learning how things worked and kind of figuring it out as as you go so i was fascinated by by that that was you, your experience as well yeah and then by the time you know i got to high school you know I I went to a public high school then for grades eleven and twelve mm -hmm. and you know with your electives you could choose things like yeah. technology as you know a class um, and so that's something I right away signed up for right. you know the two or three that I could sign up mm -hmm. for um, and that sort of progressed to the next level um, where I had signed up for co-op okay. And, uh, you know, I kind of gave the co-op teacher a vague description of, like, I want to do something with computers. It's pro it was probably that basic. Okay. Were you thinking, like, computer service and repair kind of thing, like building computers? Or were you, like, into programming and that kind of thing, too? More in the service aspect of okay. it, I think. Um, like, any sort of electronics repair, kind of maybe going back to what I had tinkered with. Right. Yep. As a as a kid, I was like, oh, that'd be fun if I was, like, the repair guy. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't really know what I wanted okay. either. Like, yeah. I didn't really know even the options, right? Right, like, yeah. what's in that field. Um, anyway, my co-op teacher came back to me and he said, like, hey, I've got this position at a university. Do you think you'd be interested with their IT department? I was like, yeah. Sounds so this good. is in high school? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that sounds good. Um, you know, let's go for an interview, mm -hmm. um, which was kind of intimidating. Um, just showing up at a university campus for an interview as a high school kid. Mm -hmm. um, but it went well. Um, the thing I remember from this, and this is one of those lifelong lessons, is don't spell the name of your employer wrong on your resume. Um, now, you did that? Yeah. Yeah. And the manager called me out on it. I think he was, I think he was pretty nice to me because he felt bad. I was a high school student, but he, he said something along the lines of like, normally these resumes would just go in the garbage. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think he had a little mercy on me, uh, that day because of maybe my age and, and the type of position I was applying for, nice. um, since I was essentially working for him for free. Right. Um, yeah. but uh, that that's where I got my start and um, literally it was technicians there that I was allowed to work with okay um, and just do hands-on things with them for for a whole year 
um, that was the start of it and it, and it's kind of evolved um, from there yeah so you were working on the computer systems and that kind of thing or what was that what was that co-op so what work have, you did yeah it would have been a lot of like desktop client support right okay. um, so you know faculty member calls in has an issue with yep. their computer um, you know a decade or decade and a half ago things were more um one-on-one -on -one with technology whereas okay. now you'd administer everything centrally yeah um so you know you would go to their office i would go with the technician mm -hmm. he'd get me to help you know install operating systems or you know fix drivers like these yep. are the things you used to have to do yeah um and you still do um but it's much more automated now okay yeah yeah so you kind of learned from from being on the job working with with the um, technicians that you were following around and that kind of thing yeah so like at that point i i really didn't have a lot of um background other than like i said some high school yeah um courses that sort of got my feet wet mm -hmm. and lots of personal experimenting yeah <laughs> so after high school did you continue in that job or did you go on to something else or where what happened then yeah so i remember that conversation i had too so this is the manager that had hired me for co-op mm -hmm. um somewhere along the line I, you know, I worked up the courage to say like, hey, can we talk about a position next year? Because I'd like to work here for real. Nice. And I kind of expected what I got, um, which was, you know, he he laid out, you know, the plan that he would like me to pursue, which was, you know, you should take this opportunity to get your degree now while you're young and, mm -hmm. you know, make sure you check those boxes and jobs will be here waiting. Um I mean, with where my life was at right then, I was sort of wanting to get employed and then worry about <laughs> the uh, schooling and okay, so on. Yep. Um, but he did come back to me then um, with, uh, you know, a, sh a limited term contract. Okay. Um, and that's the way things often work, I, I would say, in a, a bigger institution is, you know, some limited term contract uh. work until there's a position that you're qualified for or becomes available. Okay. Um, so I did that for um, a few years and, and that was sort of an evolution um, as well. Okay. Kind of from projects to, you know, I, I think it was, I don't even remember what I did initially. I think Windows 98 upgrades maybe. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and like Y2K bug, like this is <laughs> the type of stuff like where you had to go to each computer and you know check something or do something kind of the monotonous stuff that your real technicians wouldn't have needed to be okay. tied up with yep um but it was good and it got me in tons of doors um faculty members that i still sort of have a relationship with because of you know that experience way back where i like to think i took good care of them and so we have yep. a good relationship um yeah and then th that morphed into you know, a position where I took care of all the computer labs on campus. Okay. Um, so that was more of a central admin type thing. Yep. Um, because, you know, it was lots of computers. Yeah. Um, and that was a part-time position. Okay. And to fill the other part-time, um, the campus store at that point was saying like, hey, we should be offering computer repair services. But we so can't. They, they hadn't been yet. They hadn't been at that okay. point. I, I mean, people had computers, but it's not like everybody had a laptop. Oh, either, I see. Yeah. Right. Like it's not. I'm forgetting. I say it's not that. <laughs> well, 
but it isn't law. Well, I guess it depends on your perspective, right? Like I had 10, 15 years ago, well, probably 15 years ago. Um, like people were not carrying laptops to class. Like okay. everybody wasn't for right. sure. I don't even remember what the state of laptops would have been in that era, but, um, yeah. So anyway, they, they thought it'd be a good service to have for mm -hmm. students on a campus, which I agree. It's still a good service to have on a campus. Yeah. And I ended up with these two part-time roles for, for quite a while. Okay. So you were working for the bookstore in this repair mm -hmm. technician job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, and, and just the, th the types of things that the store would offer. I mean, traditionally it would be a hard copy textbook yep. and hoodies in your school colors. Right. Right. And that was the campus store for the most part. Mm -hmm. Or if you go way back. Yeah. I don't, I don't know exactly what probably punch cards for exams. Right. But yeah, <laughs> the basics you need for um, campus life have evolved too. Yeah. And so we started carrying technology products and, okay. um, you know, at one point then I became the buyer for that category oh, okay. where I would, you know, purchase the product that we would resell then, mm -hmm. um, in that whole category, technology category. Okay. And as I say, that job was full-time job first. So that's when I made the move from IT over to retail, campus retail. Okay. Um, if it would have went the other way, I'd probably still be in IT, but, um, mm -hmm. at that point it made sense. And I've, I've really enjoyed the transition over to, to retail then. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so since you've been doing retail full-time since then, is that what you were saying or? Yeah. Yeah. And where I'm currently at is I, I would manage, um, the category buyers for the different, um, lines that we carry, I'll say. Okay. Um, so I, I'd be responsible for any items that aren't course materials. So. Okay. I was going to ask you if you're in charge of that as well, but that's a separate. Yeah, we would have yeah. like, that's a pretty big, um, I'll call beast, um, to yeah. manage as well. Um, just cause you're, that's a lot of faculty interaction and, uh, right. I mean, yeah. we might, we might get to this later with, uh, services of a bookstore, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's a, that's a different uh, side of our business. For okay. Sure. So are you pretty much working with anything that's not course materials? Yeah. Like, if it's not a textbook or something like that, it's pretty, you're, if it's, yeah, if it's not it. a book, Okay. Of chances are I've got something to do with it and, uh, you know, just our general day-to-day -day operations as well. Um, those are indirect reports of mine as well. Okay. So like our cashiers and student, uh, you know, extra help okay. as we, yeah. um, as business requires, you know, part-time work. Right. Oh, so you have to like maybe the beginning of September, you have to get a few more people yeah. on board and yeah, a lot more. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If you, if you would, graph our business um september is is a crazy peak okay and then it's a lot of um low even time from there so that that presents its own challenges with yeah. running a business when you have such strong peaks and then um long periods of considerably less business activity right. yeah do you find that uh january and uh may i guess are those big peaks as well or not is, is september the biggest of the yeah, so September and then January is a little bump. And then um, in the case of uh, the university I'm at, um, our our summer term is not that substantial. So okay. there, there is a little bump there, um, but it's not nearly um, the peak of September. I guess in January. September, even students are moving in 
to the city for the first time or um, like they, yeah, I guess they'll be getting things that they will, will have then when January rolls around and that kind of thing. So that probably explains why it's yeah. busier in that time even than, than the start of the next term. Yeah, the majority of what they need is in those first and second years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very good. That's and yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to as a currently being a university student. I'm kind of as we get a little further on when we go into a little more of what a bookstore offers and that kind of thing. I'm uh, I'm yeah curious to to learn a little bit more of what things look like from your end. So I'm sure I'll have more questions for you there. Mm-hmm. Did you ever uh, take any classes um, yourself or then or? as you were working at the university? Yeah. So, I mean, some of the, like, I, I definitely got some technical certifications as time okay. went on too, um, with, um, you know, working in a fairly big IT department. Well, depends who you compare to again, but, okay. um, you know, there's lots of people in the, in the IT department on campus and, uh, you know, they would bring in a trainer for, you know, let's say when, every uh, version of Windows moved, right, yep. for example. And those certifications were offered as a benefit. Like, I didn't even have to pay for them. They were oh, covered okay. by my employer. Nice, so yeah. that was very good about working there. Um, so I, I definitely had some technical certifications in that regard. And then for school, um, I I did a business diploma mm, as well, mm-hmm. part-time. Um, so I always say I'm, I'm, I'm not done with my schooling yet. Okay. Um, but it's also not uh, like right now. My priority is um, family, and right. I, yeah. I know that's a significant time commitment in evenings, in particular, if you're trying to maintain a job. So, yeah, um, yeah, I enjoyed my business um, diploma, um, and we'll see what the future has. Okay, very yeah. good. Yeah, that's great. Did you do that part time while you were working, or mm-hmm. okay on the on the side of working? So you did do you had you do have a bit of experience with how much time it takes to work a full-time job and then do school on the side. Yeah, and how it is to do a three-hour lecture after a full day at work, like 7 to 10. 7 to 10 is a doozy of a time slot. I'll just put that out Yeah, I've never done that, so good for you (laughs) for that. Um, So as as you are, as as I've known a little bit about you, I've, um, and from what you were telling me too in preparation for this interview, um, I know that you've been involved somewhat in working with the the video coordination, or I don't know how you'd describe it for the for the football team as well. So tell me a little bit about how that came to be and uh, and what that involves. Yeah, so I I mean this is sort of part B to my um, campus activities is is the video coordinator role for um, football. Um, so when I started there, I would say I, I knew nothing about football. Okay. Um, and, and technology was what brought me to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, the head coach at the time, and uh, we still joke about it now as far as technology is concerned, I think he thinks I still have all his passwords from like 10 years ago or 15 <laughs> years ago for his BlackBerry. Uh, and we have a good relationship. Anyway, um, you know, he would need help with certain things and he dropped by our repair service at the bookstore. Okay. So you'd kind of developed a relationship through your tech work. And, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Right. And like over time, I, I, I guess probably did some little favors here and there or spent a little extra time. Um, and, uh, he got to know me, um, and football was in a pretty successful era at that point in the early two thousands. Okay. Um, like they'd won a national championship and, being involved in um or 
enjoying sports, like any sport. Um, you know, I got introduced to it. The campus wasn't that big. Oh, okay. And, um, so you were like following along with the team and that kind of thing? Yeah. So I, I, w- I would say because they were so successful, you couldn't help but follow them on a small campus. Gotcha. Yeah. And, you know, being there in person, you know, in a packed out stadium when they won a national championship and, you know, everybody's going over the railings and it was kind of bedlam and we were selling all sorts of, you know, purple things right. afterwards, <laughs> um, you know, because I always say there's a there's a pretty direct relation with how successful we are in athletics to how successful we can be at a campus store. Really? Um, okay. Because the excitement level um, is definitely tied to how they feel about their university. Yeah. Right. So if if, um, you know, if athletics is doing well, if. I mean, academics are not to be, um, you know, set as a second tier thing by any stretch. Um, you know, if, if the university has a good reputation, people are proud to wear that brand right? and people want to be associated with it. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was a, it was a good era for all, I would say in that period. Fascinating. Yeah. And believe it or not in like mid two thousands, they still did video on VHS tapes. Okay. Um, so, so this is just prior to my time. I'm told they used to have to like run to a Greyhound station, put VHS tapes on a bus, which I guess delivered between like towns across Ontario. And like the tapes from your next opponent would come like on a Wednesday and you would put <laughs> your tapes in the mail on the Monday. And then you quick had, I don't know what the exact dates were. Um, but there was this whole like process of getting wow. physical tapes around. Um, so was this, were they, were they behind the times or was that the technology that was available at that time? Well, so again, this was like last year that they were doing it. Okay. So they were probably at that point behind the times. Yeah. But not, not by that far. Yeah. Right. But it was time to do something. Yeah. So digital video comes in. I don't think it went well the first year. Okay. I had, this is still before you were involved? This is still yeah. before we were involved. And it went, you know, I had done a little project, um, you know, for this is one of the favors I guess I did for coach is, you know, I cleaned up a copy of the game, like taking all the, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, like all the commercials out and, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, so that the players could have sort of a memento of that game. Oh, okay. Like yeah. just a clean one to watch, right? Yeah. And I think he sort of had it in his head, well, if he can edit a video, he can probably be a video coordinator. Like, <laughs> do you want the job? And that's how I got that job. Okay. Very good. So he like, it was the coach that, that mm-hmm. hired you? Is it a, was it a paid position or? Yeah. So it, it is a paid position. Um, I mean, be under no illusions. It's a, a fairly modest stipend. Okay. Um, but, um, you know, there is a, there is a little bit of, um, money there for your time um but yeah certainly not what i bank on okay yeah and is it it's something that you're you've been doing since then right up till now or yeah okay yeah um so it's definitely been an evolution but i've i've continued on in some way shape or form okay uh, since then very good so you have you're working with others obviously in in this role do you have a team that that does the video for the yeah football team yeah so um i don't know if we want to touch on it later when we're talking about some of the specifics of how we manage that um i have a very good video uh i i did 
assistant coordinator, I would call him, mm-hmm. um, who has been with me for quite a while. Okay. Um, he had a he had a few. Uh, actually, I think he only missed one season with me, um, but he had two like uh, CFL seasons where he went to work for them for a bit and then oh, came wow. back. Um, just the way uh, employment opportunities worked out for him. Okay. Um, so that's, you know, he's the core that continues on Mm -hmm. and we kind of, we have a pretty, we have a really good working relationship now as to who does what and how we manage that. Um, and then I have, um, usually a team of four ish, um, student volunteers as well. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the extent of my team, four to six people. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, we'll get. I'll have some questions for you and things uh, about more specifics of that role uh, a little bit later on. Um, maybe just to kind of round out the what you've been talking about here with your kind of personal story or personal experience. Um, you were telling me that you've been involved with. Um, I'm not sure if organizations or things that kind of um, outside of maybe involved with other campus stores and, and that kind of thing. So, um, what's been your experience? like working with others outside of of your your the institution you work for your employer well first of all it's one of those things i'm always hesitant just to sign up unless i can give it a good shot as far as time Mm -hmm. um but the benefit and it to me it's a really big benefit and whether it's the football side or the uh, campus store side um when you're involved with i'll say the industry Mm -hmm. um you see things on a bigger scale. Yeah. Um, you can get very um, set in your own um, way of doing things over time. Yeah. Um, the longer you're doing it, this the more you reinforce your own beliefs that you're doing it all right. That's right. Yeah. Or wrong. Um, and it's good to see how it works in other mm-hmm. places. So I usually joke that I see two places on university campuses. I generally visit athletics and uh, the, the campus stores. Okay. Um, so when you go to other campuses. When I go to yeah. other campuses. So I, I, I mean, I've, I've been at quite a few and that's one of the benefits you get of working with the organizations is you get to visit more um, yeah. campuses. Like for example, a downtown Toronto or Vancouver, you know, store mm-hmm. has a much different feel than say something in the prairies, like a oh, yeah. USASC or something in, you know, Waterloo, Ontario or yeah. Lakehead. Thunder Bay. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, on the American side, you drop into a school like Tennessee, both on the football and the store <laughs> side, and things are a completely different scale. Wow. Um, yeah. So it, it just, I can, I always find I can learn something from the very smallest campus mm-hmm. to the very largest. Um, mm-hmm. There's something there um, to take away and if not try, maybe even implement. Yeah. So is this, so is, is there kind of an organization that brings together different um, bookstore managers or campus store managers, that kind of thing? Or how does yeah. that work? So, yeah, there's an organization. Um, we're called Campus Stores Canada. So okay. that's actually a board that I, I'm currently on. Okay. Um, and they represent, obviously, independently owned um, stores. So there are like in uh i'll use the us as an example because you probably recognize the names more but like a barnes and noble Mm -hmm. would run some university campus stores okay but then many the university um owns them and manages them um and so i would say a pretty good percentage like probably most of the ones in in canada are um owned by the university but there are 
there are both ways, right? Okay. There are two different, at least two different ways to run a store, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure where that train of thought was going, but you were talking about the the, the organization that you're on the the board with. Is is the purpose just to to get ideas from each other and to coordinate, or what's the what's the main vision of of that board? Yeah, so that yeah, that's exactly right. That's what I was talking about with um, the it's to bring institutionally owned stores together okay. and pool their resources and their ideas and their talents. So, the one of the things I like about the whole campus store industry is that nobody really competes against each other. Um, is that just the nature of it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, I'm not going to visit another university store most likely to get the things I need. Is that kind of the, yeah. yeah. Like generally speaking, right. Like yeah. in theory, if there's two universities in a city, say like, you know, Waterloo or <laughs> right. Toronto, where there's campuses side by side or very close, you could in theory undercut them on some, materials but like nobody really I never even thought of doing that so <laughs> i guess that shows that no yeah. nobody really does it but yeah. yeah if you have i mean we're talking about advantages of campus stores i guess that's one if you have a couple in your in your city um just because one doesn't have it doesn't mean the other one won't right um, yeah that's true but yeah as a general rule they don't compete against each mm -hmm. other so people are very free to share oh yeah right yeah. um like if you want to use the word steal, like we steal each other's ideas all mm -hmm. the time and it's better for the industry. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it gets into a little bit of advocacy too. Um, you know, the government will ask for oh, different, yeah. you know, input on say like copyrights and fair use and, yeah. and different things like that. And an organization, um, like campus stores, Canada would have, you know, an opinion on that and, and input to give. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And, um, yeah, I can see especially how the, the collaboration can be a powerful thing when you're willing to share ideas and, and learn from each other and you're not trying to keep things um, tight to the, or, yeah, to, to try to keep things to yourself and um, how that can be a powerful environment for, for improving and getting new ideas. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, yeah, I'd like to get a, since we're talking about bookstores anyway, I'd like to, to get a little bit into... Um, into some of the specifics of, of your job and, and what a university bookstore does. Um, maybe you did answer this, but is the one that you work for, is it owned by the university? Yeah. So it, its it, own thing? Yeah. So it would be owned and, and managed by the university. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Um, so, I mean, benefits I would see to that would just be the flexibility of the university to have their store be what they want it to be. Yep. Um, if you, if you bring in a, an outside provider and this, applies for different things like food housing whatever yeah um you have less control of that because they're reporting to their shareholders yeah in our case the shareholder is the university right. and i guess the students right yeah um so at least on a, a high level it should be for the students yeah like that's the primary driver yeah and for the university so I guess maybe that gets to kind of my first question in this section. Um, what would, how would you describe the main goals and vision of the university bookstore? So, I mean, it's interesting to me that it's owned by the, by the university, like you say, because I think that does make a difference in, in what they're trying to accomplish. But how would you describe what, what, your, what your vision is as a working for the bookstore? Yeah. So in this one, I, I thought I'd just give you uh, the mission and vision statement yeah, that we've great. got since um our team act put it 
you know, a lot of time into this at one point to come up with these oh, three nice. sentences. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, th- I think it says it fairly succinctly. Um, so our mission is to foster foster student success and enhance the campus experience by providing competitively priced, relevant products, innovative services, and deliver them with genuine customer-focused staff. Mm-hmm. So that's that's our mission. Yeah, um, you know, give them give them what give students what they need. Do it kindly, <laughs> yep. and try to be as competitive as possible in the in the marketplace. Yeah. So, would you say, since we talked about how you're not competing with other campus stores, um, would you say that online marketplaces are a big competitor, or where do you kind of find who do you find you're competing against? Yeah. So, hundred percent, that has completely flipped the publishing landscape on okay. its head. For one, yeah. Um, I mean, you can look at independent bookstores like in just regular book titles um even the walk into chapters indigo these days um there's a lot of home decor in there there is books right like um the whole publishing industry is different now yep um so um you know the online um, company that starts with an a that we all buy things for from (laughs) (laughs) um we try to be very straightforward with our students. Um, and, and so this goes to some of the benefits of the store again, but um, we'll just offer a comparison, a price comparison on our website directly to that retailer. Okay. Um, now the advantages again, that a, a store can bring is they have the stock there. Yeah. Um, some of these online retailers might show it, but it might be a really far ways away yep. and take a really long time to come <laughs> and or hidden fees and or be yep. a pirated copy that's falling apart. Like there's a there's some other issues that you have yep. to be aware of, but it's certainly a competitor. And it certainly, I think, has benefited students, too, because it required yep. everybody to be sharper. Yeah, because I mean, that competition usually benefits yeah. the consumer. So the fact that you guys have to think about what are Amazon's prices when you something is that kind of what you're talking about that yeah that's who you're competing with yeah and and um you know even formats and stuff that's another um, value add that it can bring. so like the campus store will will rent you your textbooks i don't know oh, if you yeah. knew that but like um you can buy them new you can if they're available and this is where um, students can be skeptical sometimes is like if they're available you can buy them used yeah um but again <laughs> Um, students can be skeptical of that because they're like, well, you never have any. Yeah. Sometimes there just aren't any to get, right? And that's what um, the campus store would try really, really hard to have all of those options. Right. Whereas an online retailer would probably just have the physical, maybe in a paper, in a hard cover. Right? Yeah, but exactly. Would uh, Do you provide, like, will you buy back textbooks from students? Yeah. Okay. And so, again, um, that's supply and demand, and the realities of supply and demand sometimes are not that great. So your perfect scenario as a student um, would be if that book is used every semester and, you know, your your university is using it again next yeah, semester, exactly. you can sell it back at an okay price. Yeah. Right? And then it goes back in the system and gets resold again. Um, if it's not on the book list for next semester, potentially never again. Yeah. And then you get offered like $2 to buy back your book and you spent, 
you know, $80 on it. Yeah. It's a tough pill to swallow. And again, um, I think it, it's one of those consumer um, transparency things that just people aren't aware of. Yeah. <laughs> how supply and demand works sometimes. And, and it's perceived to be that you are just gouging students. So. Yeah. Yeah. I can, <laughs> and yeah, that, that seems to be the, the case often that, that textbooks will change often enough or update their edition or something like that, that it's, it's hard to find a market for the one that you just used in the last, <laughs> in the last yeah. semester. And I think, and I think that's another um, benefit of the competition is just that students, the consumer has, very low tolerance for, um, you know, addition updates that don't bring value. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> <Right>? for sure. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, a store gets caught in the middle a little bit, um, with that. Um, anyway, that's a, that's a whole, that's a whole separate topic yeah. over how content is created for education, but, yeah. um, challenges for sure. And did you say that's not really your role? Yeah. It no. was working. I mean, you probably know some about it cause you're yeah. involved with the store, but so certainly it's a big piece of our overall um, feasibility as to like the services we offer. Yeah. Um, but it's not what I'm uh, directly managing. Okay. So yeah, let's get into that a little bit. What are some of the decisions that you have to make? What are some of the things that, that uh, in your manager role that um, you're thinking about and, and implementing? Yeah. So uh, um, my perspective, um, I would say just, it needs to be one of, you know, um, just having a critical eye on our processes. Okay. Um, so a lot of the time it's just making sure that we're consistent, okay. that our customers communicated with mm -hmm. that were, um, you know, budgets, um, the budgets that I'm responsible for that, that overall strategy gets communicated to our buyers so that we're buying the right things mm -hmm. so that we can, meet our overall financial goals. Yep. So you end up doing a lot of, I would say systems projects and, you know, checking in reporting, okay. um, to make sure that your trajectory of your current fiscal situation is lining up with your goals. Yeah. So are you thinking about what the store offers? Like as far as products and services, is that, is that involved in your role or yeah. in that, what, what you're talking about there with, with making those decisions? Yeah, certainly. So like, I mean, this is an easy one now to refer back to, but you know, when I started, um, in, in a campus store, um, that was an era where there wasn't technology sold in the store right. and it was students were limited. Right. So the store at that point adapted, said we should offer repair services and sell, you know, your cables and adapters and right. All these other things that you need as a student. Um, what are those next things? Um, hard to say. Yeah. Right. Um, that, that's always, that's always what you're trying to find is what is your, you know, what need is not being met on mm -hmm. campus? Cause ideally, you know, students usually have limited transportation options. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if, if we can give them, uh, similar value overall, um, you know, maybe it just saves 45 minutes on a bus to get yeah. to a mall or whatever. If you can offer that, that mm -hmm. same thing. Is there um, something like that, that since you've been doing this, that you've, that you've brought in or a new product or service that you've offered, that's just like been worked really well and is, is a need that, that you 
could meet and and was accepted well and continues to be can you think of anything like that right off so off the top of my head i'd struggle um to name a category um but i would say within all the categories like obviously clothing has its trends yeah um obviously technology yeah um ebbs and flows with what's released so that's a little that's more dictated to you um you know some years you're buying hoodies in a certain size range and the next year people are buying stuff bigger so all of a sudden your big sizes sell out like those okay. are the kind of like micro adjustments yeah. that you always have to be making yeah. um as far as a like completely new category um yeah it being i mean our situation is we're in a city um so there are other options for yeah. like food and so on like so you'll see some university campuses especially i'll say ones on the on the left coast um where you know ethically sourced food is a big thing oh yeah you know they'll be able to offer a niche grocery store even on campus okay yeah um and it i i would say that's where all of these different dynamics come in depending on where your university yeah. is um what are those other options around the corner like we're not going to have a maybe our campus can't have a pharmacy because there's a pharmacy right across the yeah. road but if there was wasn't one you know you're the, always looking for those opportunities yeah, yeah that's and i i guess i i, I just limit myself so much because i think bookstore or campus store i think books and like you mentioned like clothing that's kind of the typical things that are thought of but there's probably all kinds of of things that can be offered and probably are being offered that i'm not even aware of that that um, depending on a student's situation would they'd be very happy to take advantage of and mm -hmm. and can use um yeah can you think of i asked you if there's something that's that's worked really well can you think of anything that you've tried that's just been an absolute flop in your specific situation and that you had to get rid of shortly after or? Well, again I, I would say it's a similar answer i'm, tr I'm trying to think of something nothing's I'm, coming right i'm putting right, you right on the spot with these right off the top <laughs> of my head but cer certainly in in a clothing design um i mean oh, yeah, some it's... you can just tell they don't hit yeah right like they just don't sell it's just like it seemed like a good idea at the time and i mean that's part of what i do as a manager too is try to limit our exposure on those types of things by saying yeah. you know maybe it, just keeping like the we call it like a classic look right like oh that, i see like yeah. a clean and classic try not to be too too trendy yeah. um you need some of that right you need some of that mm -hmm. but that mix is you don't want you know your store to be 80 percent trendy because trendy changes tomorrow yeah. <laughs> and so same, with, same with technology right okay yeah like usb cables are the same as they were five years yeah. ago. well for the most part depending on the device um but but there's other things that you know flowery phone cases may not right yeah is might not hit today yeah. and they did last year do you sell um more like regular books and that kind of thing too or like games and some of those those things as well yeah so so games is a, a category so one of the i would say one of the big big topics on university campuses particularly during covid too is mental health mm -hmm. and so i would say like overall wellness and like doing other things like playing games and mm -hmm. you know some of those 
other i'll put them in the self-care category yeah um that's a category that we would not have had um before so thanks for reminding me on that oh um, yeah okay. but that is something we'd have now you could come in and, and get you'd probably recognize many of the game titles that um are carried in our campus store and it's not like we have you know huge amounts of floor space dedicated to it yeah but we have some yeah 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 that's a something that i'd i just i was kind of surprised when i walked into my university's store for for the one of the first times i'm like oh yeah you got a whole game section i guess that makes sense but just some of those things i wouldn't have thought about that 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 a store a campus store would offer so um mm -hmm. i thought that was pretty neat like for example spike ball oh okay i hit that at a trade show like a decade before it hit this community oh really yeah okay. so you've been uh, selling it for years well no we actually didn't because we were like oh could we convince people to spend you know 80 bucks on a right. yeah. little plastic ring and two balls but i mean i think you you know some people that um play the game uh, you yeah. know in our in our immediate area here and it's it's become quite popular well i've seen it on campus a bunch the last mm -hmm. the last year i've i've been surprised because i've known it like the mennonite community's known it for the last used it for the yeah. played it for the last five years or so but i've been surprised how how much i've seen it in around campus and things in the last year but that's a great example of a game that doesn't take a lot of space yeah you can take it outside set it up get some outdoor mm -hmm. because i mean let's look at like people that are living on campus or even near campus generally don't have big properties, right? They don't yeah. have a ton of space exactly, and yeah. they need to get out of their buildings. So yeah. um, it's good to have some of those options. Yeah, that's awesome. So as a student, I was kind of curious about this. If there's things that a campus store offers that I could be taking advantage of that that I'm not even aware of or not taking the time to check into. So I wondered if you have things to say on on what you offer as a store um, that that you wish more students would know about or, or take advantage of and just some of the things that you offer. Yeah, so I mean, it's not my area of expertise, and I mentioned it a little bit already with the, with the whole book thing. I'll just mention it briefly again mm -hmm. um, is on the affordability of course materials and yeah. the people that can help you navigate that because i think i think the takeaway as a student what i would say to you is ask the staff because they do really know what's going on okay uh, yeah. I, I find people um i should say students are, are really skeptical of the answers that they're getting like there's some uh you know maybe hidden agenda to well, i definitely yeah. have that perception that that the that they're working to make as much money as possible and so they're going to potentially take advantage of me so it's it's really good to know that most of these campus stores are have the goal of of helping the students and aren't maybe their maybe their main goal isn't to to just make every buck that they can and, and that kind of thing. So just hearing that was like, it's, it's good to know. And maybe I should be taking more advantage of, of asking and, and having the experts help me on, on what the best option is for me. Is that kind of what you're, yeah. you're saying with that? Yeah, exactly. Because, um, so I would say um, on that side, just, you know, I've mentioned I, I'm a bit arm's length um, to that part of our business, but um, the team has really evolved there to become that, liaison between faculty and students and mm -hmm. i'll say publishers or creators of the content yeah so some content is provided for free right you've probably heard of open educational resources the mm -hmm. idea that it's it's a free book yeah well 
I mean, to be frank, nothing's free. Yeah. <laughs> and even if funding was provided from government or wherever to create that initial content, it needs to be maintained. Yeah. And I think over time, people are starting to understand that, you know, open resources are still not free resources. Yeah. And there are people, you know, professors sometimes, often, um, that need to be compensated for their time somehow. Oh, okay. Yep. Now, how that all gets funded, that's a, a bunny trail we won't go down. Mm -hmm. um, but just to say that it's the goal of a campus store, it should be, and mm -hmm. certainly is for us, to um, have that conversation with the faculty member who ultimately makes the decision what is being used. Right. The bookstore does not. Yeah. Right? There is not a campus store that says this is the book for this course. Right. But sitting down with a faculty member and saying, hey, this pile of stuff you just submitted as content for your course is going to add up to be X number of dollars. Are you sure that's the mix? Um, so you're having those con yes. conversations. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we, and technologies help with this too, is when they submit those materials, they can kind of see what the overall price is going to be to the students, yep. not just some sales rep who tells them it's the best thing ever yep. and students are going to love it. Um, or they don't have to spend any of their time marking because the online component just takes care of it, right? Like they have all of those conversations. So the goal would be to make the faculty, give the faculty member all of the information so that they can make an informed choice mm -hmm. so that there's as many options available for the students as possible. Right. So for you, you might prefer a hard copy textbook. I do. Yes, absolutely. Right. Uh, I, I didn't know if you did or not, but yeah. no, <laughs> if you do, um, hopefully there's an option. Mm -hmm. Um, if there is an option to have hard digital and say maybe a used, mm -hmm. I would be ideal probably in your case, if you're wanting hard, it'd yeah. be nice to have a used copy. Right. Um, we try to offer as many of those options okay. as possible, mm -hmm. but depending on the materials that are, um, needed for that course to teach it in the way that the faculty needs to teach it. Um, you don't have all of those five options available for every single yeah. class and title. Yeah. Right. And so navigating that whole, it's, it's complex, right? Yeah. It's not like I can just show up and say, Hey, I'm signed up for school this year and I'm here to pick up my books. You have all of these choices. Yeah. Um, and part of that's regulated too. Um, right. Is like, you can't say a student must have, Okay. This yep. book to pass the course. Yeah. You have to have the knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it, the academic world's a bit complex in yeah. some of those ways. And, but there are, at a, at a campus store, there will be people that, that know mm. about, about all of these options and can tell you what they are and tell you ways mm -hmm. to, well, just options that you have and how much it's going to cost and how much you'll pay for this and what you'll get, that kind of thing. That's yeah. what you're saying. There's there's yeah. people that that's what they do. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very good one that I can refer you to off the off the air. All right. <laughs> <laughs> very good. So maybe more in your in your area, are there other services or things that um, that uh, that you offer that students should be taking advantage of? So another one I mentioned is um, computer repair services. Right. I had mentioned yeah. it before, but that's usually a good buy um, as far as you know cost. Um, there are often um, various, um, you know, little 
shops that you can go to to get your needs taken care of but you might not have a level of trust if you are from out of the area yeah um so i would just i would suggest to you that if your university campus offers it they probably offer it at a pretty good rate number one okay and secondly it's at a place that you can trust mm -hmm. right like they're again they're there for the student yeah um so for myself, I would say I, I would have an easier time trusting that person than to say an outside entity that I know nothing about. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's good to know. And you, so something like computers and, and for me that doesn't know much about them, it's kind of like, like this for cars with me too, that mm -hmm. I never know if, if this thing actually needs to be fixed, if this is an, an issue or if they're just telling me that it needs to be to, to, to make some money. So it's great you to try to find someone. someone to trust. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's great to know that, that those services are being offered and, um, so, for someone. Yeah. And I, and I would just take that outside of the campus store too, and just say all around campus, um, there are people like that. Okay. Right. And so, you know, spending copious amounts of time online to find your answers this year you might have to do that right yeah. but <laughs> normally um there are people there who want to help you and who want to get you to the right spot yep um and they've been like hopefully you're not there for an undergrad more than four-ish years mm -hmm. um they've been there f through many that's true yeah <laughs> many many students first year experience right yeah so if it's first second year kind of questions um they've been around the block like many times yeah um that's a good and a bad thing, but mostly a good thing, right? Yeah. Um, the other thing I would mention too is just seeing it as an employment opportunity for oh, a student. Yeah. Um, it's something people don't realize, and it makes things super easy. Um, I'll speak that it's a little bit of a different perspective, but when I was going to school part time, mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of group projects in the you know diploma that I took. Okay. A business diploma, and so. Um, group work is a big thing in business yep. and I could schedule, you know, a meeting on my lunch or I could schedule, you know, a lecture to be half hour after I was off of work and just oh, have okay. like, I, I could have a much more compact schedule because I was already on campus. Yep. So same thing applies for students is there's some employment opportunities there. I don't have to have transportation. I don't mm -hmm. need to go anywhere. The people that are working on those campus in those campus um, areas, like the store, um, understand student needs as yeah. far as schedule. Yeah. So like, you know, when classes break and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So I, it, it's a good um, option if you're looking for some work while you are a student. Yeah, that's really good to know. And it's, um, you said, especially in like the beginning of the school year is you need a lot of extra hands on deck. Like you're, there are lots of employment opportunities then or. Yeah. More so. Um, I would say as time goes on now, I don't know exactly how, um, you know, say a, a job in retail at the mall would um, handle this. Um, but as far as like number of hours per week or whatever you want to know that somebody's able to dedicate so much time right, to yep. something. Um, so what we find is students, you know, when you get into midterms and when you get into yeah. exams, we have a pretty large staff, but everybody's not working like five shifts a week, right? right. Because we have enough staff so that you can work that one or two um, shifts and still get your schoolwork okay. done. So because you're, you're, if you work for a campus store, you're right in the university 
environment they they like you said they understand when the busy times are with midterms and and um so yeah it's like they don't get me wrong we don't want people skipping shifts and like making right. last minute adjustments but yeah. the overall understanding i would say is is there and you know everyone's in the same environment yeah. so yeah very good um yeah, I guess I, I'll i just ask you if you have anything else that you were prepared to say on uh, kind of the bookstore topic as a whole before before we move on. No, I, I, I think we've uh, I think we've been around the block on that one. All right. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was fascinating to learn. Um, yeah, so let's move into some of the, the things that you do or what uh, what your role as a video coordinator for the football team has um, has looked like. So I guess this... Um, this first question will probably show a little bit of just how little I know about that entire process. But yeah, looking kind of generally, what is the purpose of a video for a football team or what are they using film for um, on, a, on a regular basis? Yeah, so I mean, it might sound a little pompous, but the first word that comes to mind is everything. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll qualify what I actually mean by that. Um, so a, a mentor of mine in the whole football video world thing um, has said this numerous times and it always stuck with me. Um, he said it's something along the lines of a successful team and coaches stand on a table supported by four legs. And the four legs are therapy, okay. equipment, video, and sports information. So like okay. anything from statistics to PR, like those folks. Yep. Um, cause really without any of those four things, uh, or when any one of those is missing, um, the team and the coaches have a tougher time, um, being successful. Okay. Yeah. Um, so for video, I, I would just say it's, again, I would break, um, the preparation or the teaching aspects into, probably four different steps. If okay. I was just keeping things general, yep. I would say a football team is kind of works in this cycle of plan, teach, execute, review, plan, teach, okay. execute, review, like just all the time, mm -hmm. um, particularly in season. Okay. Um, so video would be a part of the planning, a part mm -hmm. of the teaching and a part of the review, right? The execution on game day <laughs> I can't do a whole lot, right? Yeah. Like if a guy doesn't catch a ball, he doesn't catch a ball. Yeah. But the video um, is a huge piece of all the rest of that. So video is like your diary of the game, right? Mm -hmm. Every play one at a time. Um, I'll, I'll refer, we call it game film. Okay. So obviously it's not film anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, so game film, or you might hear the term, um, if you're talking to Americans, they call it all 22, which is like, there's 11 on a side. So oh, yeah. you always see all 22 players at any given point. Within the frame of the shot? Within or, the frame. Yeah. Unlike TV where you see very close-ups of certain things yeah. and it flies between, you know, many, many cameras in a yeah. television production. Um, at its simplest, um, game film or all 20, uh, here it would be all 24, right. we have 12 <laughs> on a side um would be uh an end zone view so that is tighter you would see your linemen 
Okay. Um, and it would be from, you know, in a state, if you're in a smaller stadium that doesn't have end zone, um, high end zone seating, you're probably in a skyjack. Um, oh, okay. So it's up camera. high. So it's up as high as you can because yeah. you have to shoot the whole field. Okay. And then you have a, a tight frame that just shows the offensive and defensive line. And, you know, I'm going to say a couple body widths outside of the tight ends. This is on the side or is this still an end? An end shot that you're talking this about? This would be the end shot. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the sideline shot is from usually top of the stadium kind of thing, okay. as high as you can get again. And this would be a view where you see everybody on the field. Okay. So it's it's zoomed out fairly far, um, and you just see everything that happens like you would if you were standing at the top of the stadium. Mm -hmm. And so for game film to be prepared for a coaching staff, um, what they need is they want to see every play first from that wide view so from the side okay and then from the tight view which is from the end zone mm -hmm. so they would you know play one they would see the kickoff from the sideline then they would see the kickoff from the end zone and depending on who you're coaching and what you're coaching you will see different things from those two angles okay so at its bare minimum that's what you need for game film okay um and then from there um game statistics start getting added okay right so um is it a specials team play is it an offensive play is it a defensive play so are you sorting all of this video into that those different categories after a game? so that would be or post production no? yeah. yeah um so i can get into what we do in, into live too because there is an aspect of of live um mm -hmm. but yeah so post-production then is where um you know, the sport info person is mm -hmm. taking, there's a team doing stats the whole game. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I would do at the end, and this is one of the roles I do myself because I want to make, number one, it's a bit of a, a process. And secondly, you want to make sure it's accurate because everything from there on out is based on it. Okay. Um, so, you know, marking the... Um, so making sure that your stats line by line line up exactly with every play that's being played. Oh, okay. Yep. And then I'll import all of those stats in when I have, when I know the game is, you know, 102 plays long mm -hmm. and I have 102 lines of statistics. Okay. And I will, you know, cross check various data fields and so on. And then we bring all those all those data points in and now the coaches have um in the software we use um they'll be able to pull up say all first downs um oh, okay. that were you know all first and tens so you're kind of putting labels on the different plays or different videos yeah. of the different plays so that it's really accessible for a coach is that is that what you're talking about with putting all that those statistics in or so think of a big spreadsheet yep um that has one row of data for every play of your game okay um and so at that point when you're running like statistical analysis and stuff um you don't necessarily need the video okay because yep. you're more or less running statistical tendencies at that point yep. but video and um, data sort of stay married in the system all the way through. Okay. Yep. So if I ever want to pull up the data of those, you know, 30 first down plays mm -hmm. um, against this opponent last year, 
or this year and last year and 10 years ago, mm -hmm. I can do that yeah, pretty quickly okay. because it stays at its, the most boring way to say it. It's like a librarian. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're just cataloging. Just organized um, ways to, to, yeah, be able to access things quickly, I guess, is a, is one of the goals with that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, so, I mean, in a perfect world, coaches walk off the field after a practice. So practice is done this way too. Okay. Every single practice. Um, now we don't necessarily use two cameras in our situation. Um, just, we don't have, um, the staff and resources to go through that much video. So yeah. <laughs> why create it if you can't get through it? Um, so some of the positions like again, line linemen, um, would have that end zone view okay. for practice, whereas receivers, and you can think at quarterbacks and receivers need more space, they would get that wide angle. Okay. Yep. And then for a period where you're practicing your actual plays, like in a team, full team environment, mm -hmm. then you would have two angles there. Okay. Um, so you were saying that, that a coach will have access to a practice's video, like right then, or does well, it? As soon as he walks off the field. Okay. Is the idea. Um, like as soon after. So, um, so, so maybe just to jump in, is it like being put right onto a server as soon as it's being shot or how does that technical part of it work? Yeah. So unfortunately I don't have the uh, privilege of, you know, um, high speed connectors and oh, wiring okay, to yeah. everything. Um, in a, in some scenarios that's the case. Um, but a lot of, um, and really big programs would still do this. Um, it just gets to be more management. It's, it's just really how you scale the numbers. Um, so memory cards, um, we're dropping memory cards okay. like halfway through practice. And then somebody oh, yeah. runs them into the person who's doing the post. Mm -hmm. And the post is being like the game or the practice is being built as it's happening. Okay. So when it ends, that last period or two gets put into the system and when coaches come in within a few minutes after practice, they could start watching it if okay. they want to. A game takes a little longer because we're more meticulous, especially on home games. Okay. Because our our film is then what gets shared to the league. Oh, okay. And on up um, to, say, the pro teams for draft purposes. Yeah. So when we post that copy as the home team, that's one of the primary responsibilities of a home team. Okay. Is to have that perfect clean game oh uh, yeah um, if i'm on the road it only affects me and i can fix it okay but if i put out something that you know isn't quite up to par um i want to make sure it's perfect when gotcha. it goes up yep. to the exchange yeah so just back to how coaches use it then are they reviewing film constantly with players and you talked about like teaching and planning and that kind of thing is it something that that they'll be watching a lot and they'll be showing different parts of or how is it being used yeah, so uh, so they would. I mean, maybe I should walk you through like a typical week. Mm, sure, um, yeah. Let me think. Now it's been a while. Our schedule <laughs> right now is not typical. Yeah. Um, so I believe Monday. So Monday you would review um, your previous. This is gonna presuming we play on a Saturday because mm -hmm. you kind of deal with day one, day two, day three, day four. Okay. So yep. I'll. I'll just talk about in days of the week to keep it simpler. So in a normal schedule, um, Monday would be um, the day of the week where they look at the last game. Okay. So what did we do well? What didn't we do? What do we need to fix from mm -hmm. our perspective? Mm -hmm. 
And is he is the coach just pulling out some things, or are they watching the whole game? Oh, they'll watch everything. Okay, multiple times. Okay, um, and that's where I come with analyzing film. Like a, a line coach could watch every play from the tight view, just looking at guys' feet to see that they're in the right place. Oh, like wow. it gets to be as technical as they have time yep. to review. So it, it depends who and what yep. position. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, yeah. re- they review film on Monday and then... And then, two, and then the coaches would be developing the plan for your next opponent okay. on the Monday as well. And probably they have started that um on the sunday um mm-hmm. one thing i've got negotiated in is i do i don't see the office doors on a sunday oh, nice. it's yep. a day that i have set aside um but uh they will um probably start then um and for me on the i should maybe back up to the saturday night let's just say the saturday evening mm-hmm. um we have you know a deadline that all the games have to be posted so i've already prepared two of the, the team we're playing the following week, I'll have all of their games up until that week. Okay. So that's my priority A1 game mm-hmm. that I'm waiting for is the one that they're playing today. Yes. And that one, as has, soon to as go, up, that yeah. one has to go in right away. Um, and then once I'm done my work, the coaches can start theirs yeah. anytime after that. So kind of Saturday evening, they're already into planning how are we going to beat this okay. next team? Mm-hmm. Or depending on how we did that day, they might want to be looking at ours for their, um, you know, review. Yeah. Um, and then um, Sunday is just like a, a light run, like guys to keep their body moving. Mm-hmm. And they pay for their penalties and so on with a lot of not fun running. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday would be practices mm-hmm. and every um, every practice would be then reviewed in a meeting. So there would be uh, a meeting and a practice each of those days. Okay. And then Friday is just kind of a walkthrough of like, here's our game plan. And you walk through the scripted plays that you will be running okay. at yep. some point. And then generally Saturdays when they play in the afternoon mm-hmm. um, and then it, it just repeats itself. <laughs> yeah. Are you like, are you directly involved in the 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 shooting and and that kind of thing of games, or are you where 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 kind of does your role fit in that by now? So uh, it it's grown over time. Um, so now we also do um, instant replay in game. Um, so that's a live thing. Okay. Um, so now I now I have a, a kind of a production person, so to speak. Okay. In what we call the spotters booth, which is essentially up in the press boxes area of, you know, the stands somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on the stadiums, it's not all that great. Um, <laughs> but somebody there will be um, taking the, the, we just have one camera feed for that instant replay, the okay. wide angle. Um, and that within a second or two of the play completing, it's on all the coaches' iPads on the oh, sideline okay. and in the spotters booth. Um, so they have up in the spotters booth guys during the game monitoring coaches, monitoring what's going on. Okay. Um, so they can verify what actually happened versus what it looked like might've happened when they were on the field. Cause okay. field level, you don't get the full perspective. Right. And I mean, you learn things both ways. Yeah. Um, so we do the instant replay, um, as well. So that's more people. So I am, 
I really am the coordinator part of it. Okay. Um, the things I do um, generally is the film exchange, um, the data, the initial sort of statistical data. Okay. And um, also from a, like a league perspective, um, I'm just watching the quality of those games that is going up on um, on the exchange. Okay. Um, looking for problems, helping guys who maybe don't have a lot of experience uh, yeah. in, in it um, and trying to keep that exchange as clean as possible. Okay. Yep. Very good. Um, this is, uh, so thinking about some of these, you know, Ontario university games would be broadcasted on TV, right? Uh, so currently they're not on any major, oh, okay. um, TV station. Um, that's another industry that struggles with production costs and so on. Yeah. Um, so essentially for amateur sports in Canada, you pretty much have to pay to get on TV. So like, oh, I, okay. like it, gotcha. it's sad, but it's, it's cheaper for them to bring in a feed of an American game yeah. than it is to send a production crew to an Ontario stadium. To, right. Uh, well, it, I guess that kind of makes sense economically because those games are already being produced and it's just kind of a service that you're mm -hmm. just, you're just paying for. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's too bad for fans of the sport that want to. So, wanna so it's it. A, it is all live stream. So I, I don't know, going to university, you, you may know this or may not, but every um, university has a, a similar live stream. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think we all use the same uh, live streaming platform. Yeah. Um, this year, it's a lot of archives yeah. and like highlight games from history. Um, but you can watch um, most sports and the quality really varies depending on, but they usually do pretty well with like, I'll say the, uh, the big three sports like basketball or big four, soccer, basketball, um, hockey and football yeah. would, would be done fairly well. So is those watching those live streams, would that be from your video? From that, you, that you're taking or is that totally no separate? there'd be a separate team doing that oh, okay because yeah. again what i want is not what they necessarily want yes, for okay. live stream that's where i was going with that is that that's totally different cameras positions so positions would probably be similar okay um although a lot of webcasts are really just doing a couple cameras from the sideline yeah like multiple angles from the stands because that's easier to produce okay um with their setups that they have to do in, in a smaller stadium without wiring. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then, you know, I'm, I'm doing things with like wireless and, and okay. different systems that didn't exist, but are now pretty good. So okay. like getting the video to iPads all within a couple seconds is possible now. Whereas back when I started, we might've, I was trying to do things, um, with, you know, still pictures. Okay. Because it's useful for a coach to see a still picture of a pre-snap formation, like oh, how they're okay. lined up. Um, but, but now that can be wires now wirelessly all, sent to the... Yeah. Okay. So my... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, it sounds like... It, sounds, it still sounds like it's a complicated process to make that all happen, but... It, it's just a... It's a juggling act okay. because um, I, I would just I would just say I'm always, I guess proud of the fact that of the amount of output that we can do with the resources that we have okay like, yeah like we put out quite a bit for the amount that we have you know invested in it okay. um, yeah 
and, and certainly it wouldn't work without having like good volunteers at different positions yeah. and, and things like that. Um, but students do enjoy that opportunity too. Some of them are former players or high okay. school players that can stay involved in the team yeah. that way. Yeah, that's great. Um, maybe that just what you're talking about, how you try to use your resources to your maximum um, capabilities and things. Do you get a sense of how your setups compare to bigger programs like um, U.S. college football or even CFL, NFL um, kind of things? Like, do they just have, is it a totally different experience there or what's, what's it like? So in some ways it's the same. And so what I mean by that is... Um, I could confidently walk into any CFL video office okay. and be right at home with what they do. Okay. Um, yeah. We're using the same software um, and the same applies for um, college and, and NFL, although there's a couple more software competitors in the space just because of the amount of football that's played in, okay. the, in the U.S. Yep. Um, so some of the systems I would need you know, if I'd walk in the door there trying to do something, I would need to get caught up on yeah. that specific software. But the overall premise and, um, you know, way of organizing things and the way of managing a practice are similar. But the, the difference is numbers. Like, it's just exponentially bigger. Um, as far as? Everything. Like, how much they're shooting? How many, and how many pairs of shoes you get? how many coaches are sitting up top during a game, mm -hmm. um, how many um, players are in their facilities, how right. many customized breakfast smoothies they get at their, you know, private dining area um, to, you know, if, I, if uh, they're running practice, um, they'll probably run it on multiple fields. Okay. Yep. Um, and say like, they may have 12 or 15 cameras where I have two. Okay. And so now yeah. you need a guy in a golf cart who is going between all those spots at the end of every practice period, grabbing that bag of SD cards, so to speak. Yep. And all that person does is run between cameras. Okay. And brings it back to the office where then you've got more video to put in. So now instead of one person sitting in there, you have four people sitting in there, yeah. maybe. Mm -hmm. and they're building practice as it comes in. Yep. And then, you know, some facilities have it all wired back directly, okay. um, depending on how new their facility is. Um, but I would just say it's scale. It's yeah. mostly just scale. Um, and, yeah, like I mentioned, my one assistant um, had worked in in a, in a CFL office for, for a few years, and, uh, yeah, enjoyed that aspect too. But Okay, yeah. Well, just maybe along that, you had uh, you mentioned to me that you do some coordination with the the CFL, maybe the NFL too, um, as far as like they're looking at your your um, your video for draft analysis and that kind of thing. Is that what they use it for? Or? Yeah. So that would be the primary reason, um, okay. and by far the majority is with um, the CFL um, being right. in Canada. So. Um, part of the CFL is that they have to always have a certain ratio of Canadians on the field. Right. Um, like that's one of the it's a rule of the foundational league. rules. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the Canadian draft is the way that they get those players onto their teams. Okay. Generally speaking. Um, and so they would use, um, in the case of, um, U sports, which is Ontario or sorry, Canadian university mm -hmm. sports. Um, those games are all shared centrally and they would be able to get them within a, 
they have access pretty much as soon as we do for okay. our exchange. Yep. Um, so a day or so after they're usually in there um, and they will keep that library so that they can watch players that they want to watch mm -hmm. for the draft. So same thing with NFL, except we don't have like, it's just sheer numbers. Like, I refresh my memory before coming on here just to kind of look at numbers of like college players in the States and stuff. And it's, it's ridiculous. Okay. Um, I, I think it's probably best just to break it down to like the percentage I think is like 1.6% of all college players will get drafted. Yeah. And drafted players don't all play. Right. So, right. <laughs> um, if an NFL where I'm going with this is if an NFL team is interested in a player of mine mm -hmm. or of ours, um, they will ask for all of our film and I'll, uh, and okay. I will take care of that exchange kind of one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Um, cause they have to, they have, it's a very big league, many dollars tied yeah. up. Right. Um, and so they have a process, um, and lots of signatures needed and whatever else. Okay. But, um, they they kind of need to come looking for you or they need an agent or a scout or somebody okay. that says i want to see your guy so will they ask for like a an edit of just a specific player and then you have to do that or you just give them no the because because edits you can cheat okay i can get 10 good plays from any guy yeah so they're they want everything <laughs> yeah okay. they want to see what you did every single time yeah. especially at the pro level um they want to know if even practice film okay um we don't give practice film as a general rule but they will probably at least for uh, canadian scouts um and you'd have to have a pretty a guy with a lot of hoopla around him to get nfl scouts out to your practice right but you might they want to see them practice though too okay right? yeah before they know if he's gonna give you yeah. know eighty percent, so <laughs> or a hundred. Just just to clarify though, like they're wanting if they let's say the NFL is interested in one of one of your players, um, will they will they want just like all the film of that player, or can you just hand off all of the games that that player played in um, to them, and that's all you have to do with it? Yeah, I think they usually would ask me for the whole game. Okay. Um, because chances are they might be on specials and one side of the ball. Right. Um, in at that point, it's easier for them just to do the whole game, and then um, as opposed to just sending them the defense, for example. Yeah. yeah. Is a uh, does the difference in rules between Canadian and American football come into play at all in your work, or do they understand the the difference um, mm. if they're interested in a Canadian player? Yeah, I would say they understand the differences. Um, certain guys are suited for um, one game or the other, okay. yeah. um, depending on their body type. Um, so a guy that's undersized in the in the U.S. might um, be good in the Canadian side okay. because it, um, the Canadian version, you only have three downs to get somewhere. So yeah. you need to have let's just say in a general sense, more speed guys, okay. more guys that can do multiple things. Yep. Um, whereas the NFL will just have a lot of really big specimens. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Did um, you, you said that at one point, I think that you didn't have a lot of experience or knowledge of football before, before starting in this role. Do you have to have a really good understanding of the game and the rules, how to play it, um, that kind of thing to do? your video coordinating job or is there just certain things that you had to learn and, and 
learn how to do well. Yeah, and so no, you don't um, need to have a specific um, understanding of football, but it, as with anything, it helps, right? And so the longer I've been in it, the more I sort of understand what they're trying to do as a yeah, coach and sense. how I might support them. Because yeah. um, there's, again technology that can do things that maybe a coach isn't aware of okay right and so understanding how i could make their meeting better mm -hmm. or you know they say it's easy to do something but i know it should only be one click and they're doing like 14 clicks oh yeah right um at the beginning i would just would have had no concept of what their job is yeah and it was just focused solely on surviving and getting like that first copy of the game in their hands so that they could do whatever they needed to do yeah. and they would just figure it out. Um, so the biggest thing of my volunteers too, is I'm like, I don't care if you know anything, but you have to be first of all, I guess, comfortable with cameras and technology. Yeah. And secondly, show up. I can train the rest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you need it <laughs> like that. If you're you not there, there. I can't yeah. like, yeah. so the whole like scheduling thing is just be reliable and the rest can be taught. Yep. Yeah. Very good. Um, yeah, I was kind of jumping around in the questions that I had written down here. Did you have other things that you wanted to say as, as um, or that you prepared to say on the whole video coordinating role before we move on? Um, I, I would just say um, people probably wonder, like, why do you even bother, right? Yeah. Um, so one of the, I, I would say there's a few reasons there. Um, one is I like working in higher education this is a general statement again mm -hmm. in all my roles um, because I see it as part of a lot of you know transition from teens to 20s mm -hmm. um, so people from all walks of life many countries um, mm -hmm. you know on a on an athletics team um, it's people from definitely different economic situations different home situations mm -hmm. um, so I feel like I am part of their um, life education. And if I can in some way, whether it's just with uh, being friendly when we're nobody else is being friendly yeah. or whatever, yeah. that there's a, that I can be like one of those good positive touch points mm -hmm. in their university career or maybe when things aren't going well. Um, on the athletic side, yeah. um, I'm still treating them the same and, and knowing that they matter whether or not they're playing on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, cause there's an awful lot of guys in a program on a, on any team that you don't even see on yeah. the field. They're showing up for practices and then they're riding the bench for, for the right. games. Yeah. So, and it takes those guys to make your starters what they are. Huh. Yeah. Um, so, so being a part, so that's one reason. Um, the other thing is there's a, like I mentioned, I think early in the, in the podcast is, um, there's a correlation to how excited people are about campus. Yeah. So, so athletics is always a piece of, you know, the excitement around athletics and what we sell mm -hmm. and the colors we sell and, um, you know, products that we might bring in for, you know the hockey moms or the football moms yeah you know who yeah. are proud of their kids yeah um 
they're all like really interconnected. So yeah. it, there's just kind of a natural um, fit there um, with um, athletics and the other, um, I'll say spirit wear and yeah. raw, yeah. raw stuff we sell. When you were telling me about your two roles, I was, I was like, they seem to me to be quite different, but I hadn't thought about the, how the, how connected those are. If, uh, if, if team spirit is, or school spirit is high in the, on campus, then that's going to help you in the, in the store and things like that. So yeah, it's fascinating. And then the last thing is it's still the one sort of tech support job I have. Okay. <laughs> right. Like I really like that piece of my um, yeah, it's neat, yeah. career too. Um, and I enjoy what I do now, no doubt about it. Um, but it's still kind of nice to have my foot kind of one, one foot in um, that support technology. role. Yeah. One of your passions and mm -hmm. loves. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, this uh, might be a good time to um, kind of see if you have advice and maybe that's what uh, you were talking about there. But did you have other things to kind of that you wanted to share from your experience or um, things that you've learned that you'd you'd like others to know? Um, so, I mean, I, I've probably mentioned these um, already to some degree, um, but as far as you know, advice to maybe university students mm -hmm. is don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Um, whether that's um, anxieties and pressures of a student career and living on your own for the first time, mm -hmm. um, whether it's um, just where do I find stuff? Yeah. I mean, it, it's a it's a part of your life where a lot of change is taking place. And even if everything is ideal in your world, and it's not for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I've been blessed with, you know, so many things that, you know, the more I'm around, I see others haven't been, mm -hmm. um, home life and, um, just, yeah, the, the different privileges that we, um, grew up with in, in this, in my community. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'd say, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, and kind of that philosophy with my video assistants of like, show up and mm -hmm. I can train you the rest. Yeah. Just be a willing participant in opportunities that you have. Yeah. Um, and for myself, I, I mean, the way I challenge myself is just, just to always be genuine in your beliefs, number one, mm -hmm. and, and the care that you give to others um, as you're living those beliefs. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that just don't smile enough. Hmm. Um, I, I look at, um, education as being one of those, um, foundational ways that people learn critical thinking. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, um, kind of came to my mind. I was like, this is where I should give like English teachers a shout out. <laughs> I, I just feel like early on, I didn't have that appreciation for, like elementary school, things are pretty black and white. Yeah. I'm like, just give me the test. It's either a right answer or a wrong answer. I'll argue with you about the marks because I know it's right. Right. And so what, this whole like transition to like, there's not necessarily just one answer here Yeah. and reasoning. I, I feel like English teachers have a big piece of that. And I thought of, you know, one of your previous guests, your aunt uh, Sharon mm -hmm. um, being, you know, one of those, formative people for me yeah and and really then as I was thinking I'm like I had like all my English teachers were like that right they're yeah. trying to pull that reasoning out of you and so mm -hmm. don't underestimate the importance of uh 
you know, the, the high school and elementary school educators that are setting the foundations, mm -hmm. because that's really what um, higher education is about, too, is yeah. being able to discern truth yep. and being able to, um, you know, point out error in a loving way, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great. And, uh, yeah, I like the, the, yeah, the things that, that you think about are, are so important. And, um, I mean, you're not teaching or in your role in, in education. Um, but I, I like that you bring out that, that your role is, is critical and important in, in supporting, um, the educational system, the, the university in this case, um, um, system and, and how important a role that, that you have in that. And, uh, yeah, I like that you're, you're willing to acknowledge and, and, uh, and say that's, that's your role is important in that. And there are, there are impacts that you can make and, um, and important things that you can do. So I think that's great. Um, yeah. Did you have other things that you, you wanted to say, um, along with that before we wrap it up here? No, I think, uh, yeah, we'll see how it, sounds when you publish this but uh i i feel like uh we've had a good chat and i, I thank you for letting me uh join you and and have this talk well yeah i was glad that uh that you did and i i knew uh, i had a vague i idea of what uh some of the things that you do um are and so i didn't know how how uh, interested you'd be in in talking to me so when you kind of gave me a brief overview of some of the things that we could talk about i'm like oh yeah that's definitely something that i'd be interested in especially in my current situation so glad that you were willing to to come and share and uh hopefully others can learn from it as well so thank you mm -hmm. thank you everyone for listening and thank you carrie for sharing your knowledge with us i enjoyed the entire conversation but I was really struck at the end when Kerry was talking about how the work that he does fits into the bigger picture of education and helping young people to develop for and build a strong foundation for the rest of their lives and how he can be a part of that. And I was really encouraged and inspired by the, the words that he shared there. So thank you, Kerry, for, for coming on the podcast and sharing your your experience and your knowledge with us. As always, if you'd like to learn more about the show or this specific episode, you can visit the podcast website. That's everydayexpertise.ca. If you'd like to connect with me for any reason, a good way to do that is through the email contact at everydayexpertise.ca and uh, let me know what you think of the show or if you have anything to share with me, that would be great. That's all for now. Join me again next week to learn from the expertise of everyday people.